everybody. Welcome to episode 83 of Literary Disco, free library read, Animorphs. After noticing one of those small free libraries in my neighborhood, I posted a photo of all the books it housed and asked you guys to vote on what we should read for an episode of Literary Disco. Huge mistake. Which was thankfully, a mistake. That, it, that yeah, was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it could have gotten worse because thankfully... <laughs> not sure it could have gotten worse. You guys worse. <laughs> did not select Documenting the Software Development Process by Stephen Aver. But instead, you chose Animorphs, The Invasion by K.A. Applegate. So today we will discuss free libraries in general, your responses to our survey, and this little sci-fi YA book that we have been forced to read. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me are essayist and radio personality Julia Pastel and novelist and critic Todd Goldberg. Hi guys. Hey. You know Hi. what you know what our fans selection of Animorphs <sighs> made me think? It, it, it's like one of those that they've lost their privileges no it, it's like one of those videos where or one of those studies where they have a they have a video of someone and you can either choose to shock that person or give them a marshmallow or something and people are like shock them shock them hurt them hurt them make them make them bleed hurt them no hurt them. i think it was in honor of our episodes where we've read kids books before like nancy drew and the hardy boys because those have ended up being some of our funniest episodes but this is a much more contemporary YA book. I mean, this was written in the 90s. Um, well, producer Tucker Ives uh, said to me face-to-face, and I quote, you guys got trolled. Yeah. <laughs> he thought it was great. Uh, okay, I'm going to dive right in, guys. Here's my overall assessment of the book. Well, no, hold on, hold on. Well, Can well, we hold talk on, about free libraries oh. first? Yes. Because, oh, of course. Because right. I actually asked uh, multiple survey questions of our listeners. It wasn't just which book we should read. Oh, um, right. Yeah, I wanted to, because I have never taken a book from a free library. Have you guys? No. Yes. You have. All right. Well, Julie, do you remember, like, on, do you do this regularly or have you done this regularly or just like one time? Um. Well, first of all, I used to travel a lot and I did a lot of exchanges in hostels and in other countries not sure if that oh, counts true. no i guess i did that too I very yeah. similar yeah, I mean, I've, I, I've taken books like remember that one time i i took forward gonna ash from the yeah. library at a bed and breakfast so but do you mean like those ones that are actually on the street yeah like one that that that, that has no purpose other than to be a public library like a little box right. it's sort of become a movement it's actually i think there is one company or one website and not a company, it's not like a corporation, it was like a group of, of people that started this movement and, and, and encouraged people to build one in front of their houses or on their streets, you know, on the sidewalk. And in my new neighborhood, I moved in December um, in East LA, and I noticed this one when I was walking with my, my son uh, early one morning, and I just thought, well, that's cool, and I took a photo of it. Um, but I... I've never taken a book from a free library and I've never given a book to a free library, even though I have plenty of books I could get rid of. And I have given, I've have got a book I can give away I've now. I've given very recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can put the animorphs right I... back on the shelf. Um, <laughs> well, I, that's part of the problem with them, right? All right. Well, let's, let's go through the responses from our, 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 our um, listeners because uh, I asked the question, have you ever read a book from a free library? And uh, 31% of our listeners said, of course. So that's huh, actually wow. a higher number than I thought. Yeah. Uh, 54% or 54.87% said never. Um, and uh, 13% said, what's a free library? Hmm. So 
Then I asked, can you remember the hold title on, of a hold, book? Hold on one second here. Can we discuss yeah. the 13% who are like, what's a free well, library? I put that on there as an option. So it's like, you know, they're, they're clearly oh, okay. people who stumbled right. upon the survey because they're Twitter followers who, you know, whatever. But yeah, so they're, they're not their hardcore okay. listeners. But I think it's a nice little, yeah, this is a highly scientific survey, clearly. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Also, all so, libraries yeah, are free. True. I asked people to list what um, mm. what book that if they remember, um, and there's some interesting answers. Uh, one person read the Quran because of a free library. Cool. Um, huh. Another person read something called the Beach Street Knitting Club. Don't know what that is. Cool. Um, <laughs> somebody read an old thing by Hesse. Herman cool. Hesse. Huh. Yeah. Um, hmm. Oh, here's one. Lots currently reading Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray, um, which we've discussed. Um, we, which we will discuss. We ha- actually, we haven't discussed. One of my favorite answers is whatever is the second book in the Dragon Tattoo series. Clearly oh. made a mark. Girl you know, she kicked, the, she kicked the thingy with the, you know, the hornets, the bag the of... Facial recognition um, software. Yeah. Oh, here's one that I love. If Chins Could Kill by Bruce Campbell, which is... Uh, Bruce Campbell is uh, one of those a, great character actors that pops he's up. A genius. Yeah. And so I just think it's hysterical that... Um, and then somebody read the complete works of Lord Byron, thanks to a free Wow. Library. So some really diverse huh. answers. All right. The, sec- the next question was, have you ever left a book at a free library? And... Um, Ten nine point four percent said no, I would never. Sixty-two um, percent said no, just hasn't happened. And twenty-seven percent said yes, I believe in sharing. And only point fifty-two percent yes, and I've regretted it ever since. Um, <laughs> Why did you attach these weird, <laughs> like emotions? Because I wanted to get us. What if I just said yes and no? We'd be like, yeah. But this way, we have four answers. We have the people that. Feel positive about it. The people that feel negative about it, one way or the other. So following up on you, that, like, like if you feel that negative, this is more. So about I take it you guys didn't take our survey. This huh? is more have, about the the test no. maker than oh. the test taker. I feel. Yeah, I have two. I have two major questions for the top of the bottom of the spectrum. Like they're taking this way too seriously. Like I've regretted it ever since. Like what happened to you at the free library? Number one. And number two, no, and I would never, like, you're going to declare that. There's, like, only one thing in my life I've said I would never do, and that's climb Mount okay. Everest. But like, I, have, I, I would have a hard time leaving a book that I actually like at a free library. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, I uh, guess partly is that mm. I was testing out a thesis, which is that people only leave books they don't care about at a free library. Maybe, oh. but I wondered if if I'm the only one that feels it. I like having a library. I like owning books. I love having a bookshelf, and I know you guys do too because we have bookshelves. I mean, part of the segment, one of the segments we do on this show, is a bookshelf, uh, you know, roulette where or, or revisit. We're constantly talking about our books that we own, that we love, that we revisit, that we like to look at, discuss, maybe share with friends, which I definitely do. I give to friends my books all the time, but I I kind of want them back. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I was curious about like because I would never leave like what I and what I noticed when I looked at this free library was that there's a lot of you know crappy books to be honest like yeah. a lot of romance a lot of a lot of books that I feel like people would get at, a, at an airport read right. on one flight forget that they ever read and then not know what to do with it not want to throw it away so they'll just put it in that crappy free library. Um, so that's why I was actually impressed how many people were into this idea and the variety of books that they either had 
discovered because of a free library or that they were willing to, to leave at a free library. Um, so that's what, some of these ones that, that people left were really interesting. Um, well, well, you got, yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right that it's mostly crappier books, but it's like some books are moving through the public in a faster cycle. I mean, they're the same as airport books. You're totally right. But that means you don't feel bad taking it, reading it, and giving it to someone else. These are right. just books that right. are circulating at a different level. And, right. you know, not everybody is as possessive about their books as we are, or at least you and I are, right? Or I don't know about Todd. No, and I, some of I us am. might be married to people who give ultimatums, and you have to get rid of your books. And not all of them, but some. And I very recently took tw like 25 books down to a free library under a highway in my neighborhood because I was like, if I'm going to get rid of these, I don't want to recycle them. I want to at least give them the hope that somebody will read them. You know what I See, mean? See, what's interesting is that I have had another response, which is I've donated books to a local bookstore, like an independent bookseller. We don't have because those here. I want I know, but I, but I want them to make money off of it. Do you know what I mean? Like if I have, so I want to actually support a bookstore if I have books that I really, you know, want to recycle or put back into the market because I don't, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to make enough money off of my books by selling them on eBay or something. You know, we're talking about for the most part books I, I don't want anymore or that are readily available. So I'd rather donate them to a, that's always been my theory, but I mean, you're right. I also, I don't know why. I mean, the only way that free libraries get better is if we all give to them, which is great. Um, and well, so I also I, think that what you're saying is very astute as opposed to my experience because small and independent bookstores are basically gone uh, right. in my part of the state. So, you know, I think in a lot of ways, free libraries are a response in these more rural communities to a lack of indie or curated bookstores. So the community right. is curating it. You know, the, you know? the really first free library yeah. I ever, I can remember seeing is this, there's this place in Sherman Oaks, which is in LA called Ernie's Walk. And it's this part of the LA river that's been, that this guy, you know, started planting flowers and then cultivating. And there was a leave one or take one library that was there. And I remember house sitting for my sister at so this was like my freshman year of college or something house sitting for my sister at, at her house in sherman oaks and walking up the street and discovering what i thought was like i was the first person to discover ernie's walk and finding this free library there and i would walk her dog and go down there and you know there i'd see people sitting on the bench reading the books but i like I, there's none of them in the desert here where I live that I've run into maybe because it's too fucking hot people aren't outside leaving books but like I just mm -hmm. did I just did a purge of my bookshelves because I I need more space and so I took out a bunch of books that I was never going to read or that I you know I, I got for free or whatever and I took them all down just to the university and just said you know free books and then they were all gone um you know people students would take them um yeah but I would totally set up, now that I think about it, if I actually wanted to engage with my neighbors, this would be the way to do it, is set up a free library here in my gated right. community and um, sit next to it and mock people for their choices. <laughs> well, you know, actually, this free library, I found out, was run by a friend, is run by a friend of um, somebody I served on the jury with 
uh, when I was serving on the jury oh, weird. a couple of months ago. Oh, that's yeah. so weird. So she tweeted at me and was like, I, I, this is my, and she actually connected me to the person on Twitter who's, who, who runs the free library. So I should have probably pursued that, but I've been very busy. So maybe we'll do that after this episode. I'll, I'll make sure that the person who runs this free library on my street. Um, <laughs> and then you have to here. tell that person, hey, by the way, I was reading Nancy Drew for an episode of this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was not just enjoying Nancy Drew in the jury deliberation room. So uh, I have not been back to the free library where I put my 25 books about a month ago because if I go back there and a lot of my books are still there, I'm going to be so pissed because my books were great. Uh, you know? So you think. So you think. Well, let me just list some of the books. I mean, there's, there's lots of Stephen King, lots of Harry Potter, Dean Koontz. And somebody left a 1984 by Orwell. Uh, someone said they left 10 paperbacks today on the monorail in Osaka, Japan. Oh, wow. Which I'm cool. assuming is intentional, or they just maybe just Intentional, that's books? a whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, Bob Dylan's autobiography was one answer, which is interesting. Uh, Flowers for Algernon. Algeron. Um, is it Al- Algeron? Or is Algeron a planet no. in Star Wars? Alderaan. Okay, Alderaan. 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 And it is Algernon. Uh, Tom, Ava, you don't know Ava, anything. Ava by Nobokov? Or Ava? I don't by know. By Nobokov? Nob- <laughs> Nobokov? Ava? Ava? Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Yeah, it's a. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> a nibble farm. But a lot of people just said books I, I don't that, care a about. A nibble farm is Mostly amazing. murder mysteries. Some people said magazines. Some children's book. Um, so I, I think in general people do tend to leave books they don't care right. about. Um, which, I mean, look at the selection in that photo that I took. It's pretty... It's That's pretty across, it's Yeah, it's across the board, like, random sci-fi. I mean, it's mostly what you would have bought in an airport, but not even, like, contemporary bought an airport. What you would have found in an airport. Well, except for the you know, software manual. Like, who, who's like, you know what, I'm going to take this software manual from the 80s and drop it off here at the free library in case anyone's working on their K-Pro and, and then needs hey, some help. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's literally a book that you could actually throw away, right? <laughs> a software yeah. manual from the 80s yeah I don't think anybody cares yeah. about you don't that. need to burn it but you can throw it away yeah, uh, yeah. well so anyway uh, Animorphs the invasion was the selection oh. that oh, our listeners man. chose for us um, yeah so, do you guys hate this podcast <laughs> that's my question I think there was a campaign to, to, to force us to read this book um I, I, I believe one of our friends actually was fighting for it. Which um, friend? Uh, I don't want to say her full name. But, um, <laughs> okay, then I know who it is. What, what does it rhyme with? No. I mean, I, 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 I think people mostly just re- well. Let's be let's be honest. Actually, we cho- we we started we cut the survey off um, and said we were going to read this book, but then people kept responding to the survey since we originally posted and decided to read Animorphs and High Fidelity by Nick Hornby did win. So Ugh, I would have we could have been reading that book which Todd you've already read. Yeah, right? I loved it. And you I loved it. Great. Yeah. Right. Good book. So our, our 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 viewers did come around to picking something that probably wasn't intentional to torture us. Well, you I, guys were too slow because the Animorph lovers got there first. Oh, yes, God. exactly. That first that first week it was all Animorphs all the time. But, you know, there's a lot of books. So there's a lot of votes, just one-off votes for, you know, someone did an Algebra 1 book. For this 
<laughs> I, I could use that. Somebody, somebody, that. somebody voted for that. the the owner's guide to pugs or whatever. You know, like it could have been a lot worse. It could have been I don't a know. Lot I bet worse. the owner's guide to pugs makes more sense. And then you know, a couple of the question mark ones where I couldn't read the title, but I you know wanted to. A couple question marks got votes. Um, so we could have been reading a complete mystery book that was just selected because of the color. Or, oh, you know. Jesus. I am such a dork that I would have been so excited if we got the Algebra 1 book. <laughs> Man. I would have loved it. Oh, I wouldn't have. That would have been my worst. My... All right, so let's dive into Animorphs, guys. Let's, let's talk All about right. it. All yes, right. You, have... you were chomping at the bit to uh, do your overview. I have a prepared statement okay. that I've been thinking about since I finished <laughs> it. And it is, what the fuck? <laughs> That's it. That's my whole response to this. Really? You know what's funny? When I started having negative feelings about this book, like three sentences in, I thought, you know what, Ryder? You're going to be alone on hating this book. So try to be positive about it. Because it's a YA book. I thought I'm like the YA hater, and you guys are always the defenders of like, it's for kids. It's good that kids are reading, and, and you know I'm always the one that's saying like YA shouldn't exist as a category. That Ryder, we just if you books. can't differentiate between this and like John Green, then like you're hopeless. This is complete garbage. I'm, I'm going to tell you the point at which it, I realized I was in a world where I didn't understand anything anymore. This is, I believe, it's page three. We were heading for the exit when I spotted when I spotted Rachel and Cassie. Rachel's kind of pretty, I guess. I mean, okay, she's very pretty. Although, since she is my cousin, I don't really <laughs> think about her that way. I don't really think about her that way. She has blonde hair and blue eyes and that kind of very clean, very wholesome look. She's one of those people who always knows the right clothes to wear and how to look like they just walked out of one of those fashion magazines girls like she's also very graceful because she takes gymnastics even though she says she's too tall to really be good at it uh this guy wants well, to fuck his yeah. cousin <laughs> well, no, but, you know what i notice about that segment is that they didn't he didn't physically or the, or the narrator doesn't physically describe the guys no. it was only the girls and but that's why i was surprised to find out the k.a applegate is a woman not a man yeah. writing this book. I was like, uh, but, but of course the girls get described by whether they're pretty or not. But the boys are just like, my friend, he's got this kind of personality. Um, I knew what we were in for in the first two lines. I'm going to read okay. them. They are the worst first two lines <laughs> in the history of literature. Oh my God, you guys are so harsh on this book. I can't believe it. Let me I'm, read I'm gonna find these two defending. sentences to you. Okay, my, name is, my name is Jake. That's my first name, obviously. <laughs> that, is, that is a pretty horrible opening two lines. Okay. Ryder, I'm we... shocked that you think this is... Well, I mean, first of all, I want to say this is meant for younger kids than most of the YA. Like, this it... is meant for, like, eight-year-olds. No. For sure. No. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. This is, like, Goosebumps this is, level. Yes. This is eight yes. to, like, 11-year-old boys. That's like yes. the target. Eight to eleven year old boys I, who want to fuck their cousins. Okay, I get away from that. Get away from that. Okay, yeah. I, 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 I the thing that I w- decided to just go with is that this is like the ultimate wish fulfillment. And I think when I was eight years old, if my dad had read this book to me at night, 
I would have been all like wide-eyed, you know, not ready to go to sleep because I'm trying to imagine what it's like to change into a tiger and like what that would be like. And I this, don't know. There was this a part is, of me that was like, not, fine. This is not eight-year-old. Okay. This the these the characters are in high school, right? So, that means yeah, it's well, for eight-year-olds. Have you ever read a children's book? <laughs> no, it's for it's for like advanced seven-year-olds to like ten-year-olds max. Seriously, yeah. I really? swear to God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, this is not thought, the same audience as John Green. Like John no Green way. is, you know, intended for teens, like people that are ready for complex. This is an action book. This is like yeah. the equivalent of a comic book in text form. Okay, we need to I don't slow know. That's, down. I totally forgave it, I, I, but maybe I'm crazy. I mean, I have we, my other problems with it, but... We need right. to slow down, because we have not explained the plot of this, and I can, I'm can i already freaking out because Ryder's acting the opposite of how he usually acts, so <laughs> he Todd, might be a controller. I think we know what that means. <laughs> He's been a taken green, over by the aliens. <laughs> a green slug has entered his ear underneath yes. his school... <laughs> and he's being controlled by an alien being. Right. All right. So yeah. that's Called the plot a of this book. Right. Aliens land, uh, and it's up to five plucky kids um, to save this situation by transforming into animals. I am truly not clear on how that helps. No, it doesn't it really doesn't help. help. Here's what? That. Did you not read about the encounter with the Hark Bajars? They, they, they saved one person. Or the like Hark Bajar? What is it called? <laughs> they, no, they, there was they, a there was a there there was an elephant attack. Thank <laughs> God she could turn into an elephant, by the way. Because the Hork Bajars and the Taxons would have killed them. And okay. I think his ability to turn into a tiger killed one of the heads of Viser Three. Uh, so they were Visser? Visser 3. I, I'm mispronouncing the intergalactic evil lore. You haven't pronounced anything correctly uh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I mean, we all have to Flowers agree, for though, that this book is... <laughs> this book is, like, bad for America because it encourages kids to sneak into zoos and slowly touch gorillas and tigers. Right. That's true. That, that is, is true. That is freaky. That's but really bad. It, it's, it's like when, I mean, of course they, they find out that the, the, the assistant principal of their school is an alien, like an and the brother, the alien controllers, and finding out that your own brother, I mean, there's so much about this that is like, to me, just the classic wish fulfillment or, you know, I don't know why it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. Guys. Right. There are aspects of this. That I, I, I had but... I had some big concerns narratively in that it yes. took yeah. six chapters for this fucking alien to die <laughs> and deliver exposition mm. before death. Mm. Oh, the original alien, the, the Andalite. So the kids stumble upon this ship. A, an alien bungles out of it and. Then proceeds for six Whoa. chapters. Bungles? That is a graceful <laughs> deer-like centaur <laughs> with a beautiful face that gives them warm, positive feelings. That that, that that alien is like walking ecstasy. Do you know how beautiful it would be to meet that alien? And then that alien can morph and gives them magical powers to turn into animals. My favorite choose-your-own-adventure when I was a kid was the choose-your-own-adventure where you could change into other animals. This book is just that, but you're also battling aliens. That's wonderful. 
But here's the thing. I am all for changing into animals. Okay, you have obviously been taken over. Well, you also have to remember, Julia, that for a while, Ryder thought he was a werewolf. So this is (laughs) right up Ryder's childhood alley. Right up my alley. Oh, right. I'm I'm But listen, these things are done, I mean, like, truly, like, this is so canned and, like, cheesy. It's not the premise (laughs) that bothers me. It's the horrible writing. But I will say... It was written in a weekend, right? We can all agree this was written within two days. Yes. There's no (laughs) way this woman spent more than 48 hours writing this entire... No, it's impossible. But here's the thing about any fantastical thing, just to finish my thought. It's like... I'm all for kids changing to animals. Great. It happens in Game of Thrones. I love it. It's like one of my favorite plots in Game of Thrones. It, the way that it is done here makes no sense. Riddle me this. Okay? <laughs> how much of this book... So they basically immediately learn how to morph. Fine. Right. But how much of these, this book do they spend being chased? Why don't they just turn into animals? It doesn't make any sense. Fly away or run away. Like, there's this whole passage where our main, our hero, Jake, like, turns into a dog and, like, tries to, like, stealthily sniff around a beach. (laughs) And they, they, I do like that bit. I did like that bit. Right, right. No, that, that's good. That's good. And then, and they've all planned this out together. And then, fucking Cassie in her human form just wanders over to be like oh I was checking on you don't do that you know that doesn't make any sense like the characters would not behave that way there are so many times where they were getting chased when they could literally turn into dogs and birds and stuff and run away but well, one of the I, I, think... I was reminded of the Once and Future King which is actually an amazing book I probably have recommended how it were you by reminded <laughs> Have you read The Once and Future King? Because part of the, a big section of the book is uh, Merlin turning young King Arthur when he's a kid into different animals. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's brilliant right. because what it becomes is his education. It's how he learns about the natural world and how like ants communicate. And he learns all these skills that will serve him at when he's a king by becoming different animals. And it's so brilliant. This is not that brilliant. Nowhere near that. But there was an element of like, oh, cool. I never thought of, you know, or for an eight-year-old that you'd be like, oh, right. Dogs have a different way of seeing and sensing the world. And I I was reminded of of that, those moments in Once a Future King. And I I thought like, okay, any book where it's going to, you know, turn these kids into into animals and they're going to discuss what those animals are like, how those animals see the world. Like when he's a lizard and he loses his tail and it's okay because he can regrow his tail. And he talks about how his vision changes and, you know, what it's like to eat a spider. I don't know. Like that kind of stuff is probably really cool when you're eight. And yeah. I'm not I don't saying think it's not this is really for eight cool. year olds. I, I think this is written for people older than eight years old because an eight year old is, no. not, is not interested. So like when he's turning into a dog, he says, I see, so I have to, like, meditate on becoming a dog. An eight-year-old isn't reading about meditating to become a dog. They'd be like, I... I mean, the language doesn't indicate to me that it's for eight-year-olds. Todd, you don't know anything about kids. I don't like, know anything about like, kids. <laughs> medi- not a thing. Does it actually say on anybody's edition, like, the age range? Because it's published by Scholastic. Well, this book is so they, dumb like, that I read it not only... Uh, I read it on my iPod, which I use only for podcasts. My iPod Nano. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, kids kids know what meditating I is. My Apple Watch. I I mean like meditating yeah. on becoming a dog, that's not weird for an eight year old at all. That's I all okay. the kids I interact with now do but, yoga. Like six year olds. So No. They do Yes. Absolutely. Like, Yoga is a huge or... part of curriculum now. <laughs> no, oh. not big. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Todd, what are you going to say? <laughs> or... You just like, they grow... do, they, do they also have tantric orgies? <laughs> do the children learn about tantric sex? They must. Uh... Like, suddenly... <laughs> um, you know, there was... A couple really disturbing moments. <laughs> the violence in the that's book right. that does right. really belie the age that's factor because like people are getting crushed and like Look. splattered and like guts are flying out and and but here's the 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 the, the moment in the book that made me really kind of shocked uh, and also made it very clear to me that this was written in a um, a pre Occupy Wall Street <laughs> world um, <laughs> when the homeless man yeah. who appears. Yes. Just gets yeah. killed by the alien, and and it's the existence of a homeless man in a construction site that saves our main character, and he doesn't no. care. He just runs away. He, he's running away he from just an goes alien to bed. that's going to he eat him. He just goes him. to bed, and he just like bails on some dude who he woke up. Like yeah. some homeless dude was covered in Mud. like we have know, to find newspaper to stay warm, and like sleeping in his 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 cardboard box. And he gets woken up by some stupid and it's never mentioned again. Being chased by an alien <laughs> and it's never mentioned again. And then there's another nameless man. Oh, here it is. I kicked something being. soft. Hey, it was a man. He'd be he had been lying on the ground wrapped in a blanket. Hey, get out of here. This is my place. I ain't got nothing for you to steal. I started to warn him, but one of the hork bajir was there. The flashlight landed on the homeless man's face. Hork bajir is an alien, right. by the way. He's kind of vaguely Arabic-sounding right. name. He I'm blinked like an owl. The hork bajir. There was an alcove right. right behind me. I backed through. The homeless guy screamed. I heard the sound of a scuffle. Maybe the guy got away. I hope so. But I never found out. Because with the hork bajir distracted, I ran. I ran and ran and ran. And as I ran, I really hoped it was all just a dream. That's so messed up. It's horrible. <laughs> And then the next line is, somehow I made it home. Yeah, you made it home because Mm -hmm. uh, the author went to bed. the 90s wonderful? You just didn't worry about homeless people in the 90s, Here's the line that just... We were all in, like, in in our dot-com boom. It was, like, Clinton years. Like, you know, in the 80s, I feel like homelessness was a big deal. Like, in the 80s, homelessness was up there with whales and the environment. You know, it was, like, a thing. But then, like, we didn't talk about homelessness in the 90s. It was not an issue until the 2000s When was comic release? This was written in Comic 96. Relief was all about yeah. the homeless. Was that was that like the late eighties, early nineties? I don't know. I just I just it was definitely th- that moment of like the you know cartoon homeless guy getting killed by aliens in order to save our hero. <laughs> that just reeked of Clinton yeah. There's era like uh, there's not a lot of nuance there. Okay, here's a line that disturbed <laughs> no. me. No. Uh, so, animorphs get some points for not being a hundred percent Caucasian, but. <laughs> Uh, it almost completely, literally is like, I have a magical black friend. It says, Cassie is quieter than Rachel, more peaceful. Like, she always understands everything on some different, more mystical level. 
that's a oh, ridiculously that's bad. bad stereotype. That's awful. That is awful. She's more folksy. She's more down to earth. She's more natural. No, she's uh, she's oh, mystical. She's right. mystical. She's mystical. Um, I do like that Marco has been visited by great tragedy. <laughs> in, in, yet again in a, a kid's book, another inexplicable drowning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They had some pretty intense yeah. backstories. And then, like, it was like, oh, Tobias has a rough life at home. His parents have died. Or is, is it Tobias whose parents have died and they're fighting? His aunt and his yeah. uncle yeah. scuttle him because want neither him, one right? of them want him. So he gets shuttled. Between, and you realize by the end of the book, spoiler alert, Tobias turns into a a hawk right. and never turns back into a human. He's, he stays a hawk too long, which is the danger. You know, you know that that's going to happen the second they're like, don't stay an animal too long. But you don't feel bad right. because he's free. He's finally free because as a kid, his life... Whereas Marco... But can I just... Can I point out one of... This was something that, that I feel like we've really been able to nail down based on our Hardy Boys <laughs> and Nancy Drew. Um, mostly the Hardy Boys, more so. But this, this trick that YA books use, which is like the horrible kid dialogue that's so expositional, but the way they save it is you have the one sarcastic character who just keeps stating the obvious, but as long as they do it sarcastically, it's okay. Marco serves this purpose remarkably. And I remember, didn't the Hardy Boys have right. like their fat uh, friend who would just well, come along and be like... Tobias yeah. is yeah. noted for being fat as well. Well, right. of course, Tobias. He just what needs to be, you know, fly like an eagle. <laughs> All right, so this is this is this is a typical. On page one fifty two, we get a typical Marco exchange. Wait a minute, Rachel said. Do all the controllers know each other by sight? I mean, maybe we're controllers, right? So we just walk right on in there like we belong there. Marco asked. Wonderful plan, Rachel. I have a better idea. Let's just kill ourselves now and get it this over. Is advocating with. teen suicide. Maybe Rachel's right. I said. Big maybe, Rachel, or big maybe, Marco pointed out. Big, huge maybe. How about Tom? He would know whether you were a controller. It's just like, so Marco's just obnoxious. And Marco just, you know, they're constantly having this like faux kid speak where they're like, oh, yeah, what are we going to do? Just walk in there and die? Marco's and the only do. one I like. I'm going to put that right out there. Marco also has He's the only one who says dialogue. anything that makes sense. Yeah. What's your. Oh, so you buy into the Marco faux sarcasm. is a conservative oh. Republican. I think yeah. Mar- yeah. Marco is a conservative Republican. Here, here's what I've got about Marco. So Tobias is talking about the free, freedom of being a, a hawk and how the hawk that, that, for some reason, Rachel keeps locked in her, in her barn. I wasn't sure why, except for Tobias right. to find it. It right. has a broken wing. But it, and it has a broken wing. And they it's do, very depressed. And um, right. Tobias says... At the end, Tobias explained, when the Andalite told us all to run for it, I stayed behind for a few seconds. I guess maybe I was too scared even to run. He's so depressed, Tobias commented. Who's depressed? Cassie's dad? No, the hawk. I mean, I think he knows they aren't trying to hurt him or anything, but he can't stand being cooped up there while his wing heals. Tobias's eyes darkened. It's terrible when birds have to be locked up in cages. They should be free. Yeah, free the birds, Marco commented sarcastically. I'll get the bumper stickers printed up. <laughs> Go, Marco. You're right, Marco. <sighs> Guys, it's like new gay whales for Jesus. Like, just make Can fun I? Of All the movements of the nineties. Uh, right? My favorite Free line the in the whole book is uh... a. <laughs> Free the birds. 
Yes, Marco, free the birds. Birds, birds, birds need to fly. Birds in cages, dude. That sucks. That's birds established. Birds Marco, that's the reality. No one believes birds right? should be caged, Marco. That's what I'm talking about. Marco sucks, and he yeah. sucks in this book. Well, Marco should die. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say, there was a line so ridiculous that I wrote it down off my iPod. Uh... <laughs> They were, I read this entire sneak, book entirely in the bathroom. Write this down by long time. I was only sneak, reading in the bathroom. They're sneaking into the zoo, and it's just like the descriptions are so inane. It's like, back to that first line. My name is Jake. It's my first name. Like, obviously, idiot. Anyway, my favorite line, they, he's describing the zoo, and this is a sentence. Some of the exhibits are tiny, and some are really big. What the hell is that? We all know what a zoo is. Do we not? <laughs> and uh, can we also just mention how convenient it is that you get the power to change into any animal you want, and luckily one of you works at the zoo, or your parents work at the zoo. I mean, like Cassie's mom or dad is a veterinarian, or both her right. parents are veterinarians. Yeah, right? one works at the... a zoo and one has oh. all these animals at her house. And another reason Marco sucks. He doesn't want to change into an animal? Are you kidding me? And the alien gives you the power to change into an animal. Change into What's an the animal. the first thing you do? Yeah. You change into every animal you can. And Marco's just like, no, uh, no I'm Marco, not Marco, like us, has a dumb. healthy fear of large primates. Like, <laughs> Jake is a, a bad large primate You can become a large so. primate. You can become a no, large primate. No, but to become one, on. this is the fundamental flaw with this. To become an animal, you have to hold it for, like, ten seconds. That's right. crazy. You know, if, if they could just turn into whatever they want, I would be all for it. I, I'm for that shifters. premise. Right. Yeah, there's well, Marco, no reason that they need Marco to go also, hold a gorilla. Marco, um, I think, accurately points out what they are when he says late in the book, tell them we're what, Rachel asked? Idiot teenagers with a death wish, Marco said. Animorphs. Yeah. Yeah. Go, Marco. <laughs> there are, you know, there is some really weird, striking, and gross imagery. <laughs> I thought you liked this book. I mean, yeah. just, just the, no, no, this is a positive thing. I'm saying it's positive. I'm saying that, like, I have some, I have some memorable images in my head. I'm going to read one to you. Because, I mean, just the Andalite or whatever it is in the beginning is kind of weird. You're like, oh, this you know, sort of emanating happiness, dear human thing. But, but let's listen to this one. She began... Oh, this is when Rachel's been a, an elephant. She began to shrink almost immediately. She's turning back. But there wasn't time to wait until the morphine was complete. Rachel started up the stairs as a shifting mass of gray and pink, part human, part elephant, staggering on weird half-finished legs and dragging a shriveled trunk. That made her pretty face into something. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I like that part. Too. I like that. That's, that's nice. the best part yeah. of the book. Come on, that's awesome. You just see poor Rachel with like a trunk elephant face looking back over her shoulder with this. Finally, Ugh. Rachel yeah, gets like, her. Am I still the hot one? Am I still the hot one? I don't know. Yeah. Someone tell me I'm beautiful. Elephants never forget. Should, I'll always should, be like this in my mind. We should write a parody animorphs. I feel like I could write a book in the series like tonight. This is so ridiculous. Yes. I mean, 
But then, I mean, how successful is this book? It has well, to be incredibly I'm sure it is. I, I did like no research, months. but wasn't Animorphs a show? Uh, it was a young adult books um, published between 1996 and 2001, consisting of 54 books. Wow, That's I'm gonna lot. read them all. Jeez. And it was adapted into a series in 1998. So the the book is this this is what set off the motion of all the other things. Um, I bet oh. the TV series was horrible because the the effects were probably or awful. awesome. Nickelodeon. Um, oh, it was on Nickelodeon. Oh, we should we should maybe watch a couple episodes. I'm sure they're. Oh, yes. episode one of the show. <laughs> my name is Jake. Hi, my name is Jake. I wanted to tell you, make this message because if anything happens to me or any of my friends, somebody needs to know what's going on. A few days ago, an alien, an Andalite, landed here on our planet. I'm I'm looking here to see if it says the age group for the readers. I think you guys are fucking wrong. I I don't think this was. I will go to the grave thinking this was written for thirteen year olds. Um. Let's see the. the oh, maybe maybe you're right. Yeah, that was quick. Well, the the kids are supposed to be between thirteen and fourteen. Um. So many of the books were ghost written. Um, the novels in the 25 to 52 range were ghost written. Um, K.A. Applegate wrote detailed outlines for each book, however. Um, okay. So she wrote the first 24 books, and then ghost writers wrote the next 25. Mm. How did they ever match her? <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's go deep for a second. What do we think? These aliens are a metaphor for. Are they a metaphor for seniors? Metaphor for seniors. Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda. Well, you know, I hate. I the 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 language, the the creation of the names of these things is just so like like besides Hork Bajur, which I Bajir whatever I was like. I thought it was kind of Danish. Then you've got taxons. Yerks, Yerks, or Yerks, Yerks, and the, oh, you're right. There's something Danish to some of these. These are three, and then the 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 good alien is called the what? An Alta Andalite. It's it's beautiful. It's very Latinate, right? It's like it, it's the classic like the more Latin Englishy something right. is the more positive, and the more sort of foreign barbarian sounding the name is, the more evil and awful and cockroachy and bugs, right? Like. How many more times do aliens, if they're evil, have to look well, it's and because we don't like we don't have a lot of other ways to describe them. She, you can't describe them looking like a hawk because then you would know who to root for in the fight at the end of the book. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's why Gremlins is good. You know, they're right. awesome. They're so cute. And when when one of right, them, this is cute. another thing that completely infuriated me about the book. One of them was like, "What are we going to turn into? Like bugs?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Everybody go grab a bug, and that would be fantastic for you guys." But they had to climb into yeah. a tiger pen what? instead. <laughs> well, I, I want to be a tiger. Like being a tiger is awesome. I'm sorry. You that's... don't think. I would do, I would climb into a tiger pen. I take my okay. This is chances. horrible. We do not endorse this yeah. on the no, show. You cannot and you should not try to morph into other animals. I'm looking. Oh my god! I know someone 
who wrote an episode of Animorphs. <laughs> oh, well, I actually know... I'm looking at the list. I actually know uh, one of the directors, Sean Levy, who is now a huge, big-time, famous film director. He did the museum uh, Night at the Museum movies. Uh, he directed the fifth episode and a couple well, more, it well, looks well. like. Yeah. So, there was some quality talent going into this TV show, but this was, you know, this is when Sean Levy was just starting right. out as a director in 1999. But I actually know one of the actors too, Paolo Casanzo is on. Wow. Right, we're gonna have to do it. But he played he played a villain. I know, or he's a recurring character. So, yeah, I think we gotta watch some animals yeah, TV I'm, series. I'm going to I'm get sure deep. Like, I'm I'm already into Game of Thrones, and this just seems like the next likely. Uh... <laughs> Oh, the, the red wedding of animals. Turns out Jake doesn't make it. Oof. Oof. Oh. Yeah. Man. Oh, Eugene well, Lipinski. All uh, right. He was, he was in this. He's a screenwriter also. Interesting. Well, uh, in conclusion, they saved one <laughs> random person, and that's it. So. God, I was so prepared to be, like, the pot. Like, I thought I, you guys were going to be so much more positive. The, well, I this. think... Man. So here's the thing. The difference between this book and um, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew is that by this point, the writer should know better. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I don't... I, I think the... Right. The, the, That's actually a good The storylines and the characterizations in the 1930s or whatever in the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew can be that stupid. Um, but here, I mean, it's, it's just... I, I would argue that the Hardy Boys book that we read is better written than this. It has, it has a more plausible A, B, C storyline than Animorphs does. Well, and what I would say is that even right. though Nancy Drew and Hart, well, separating them because I, I think Nancy Drew is better than the Hardy Boys, but to me, what why it comes down to is the characters. I mean, these these are five completely flat nothing characters. Like they could be substituted into so many different, you know, children's products of the 80s and 90s. This, here's why I think this is just not even in the class of other kids' books, is this felt to me like a product. It felt like we're making a book that will be a show. There will obviously be a hundred of these books, and they will, you know, there will be toys. There will be, like, special effects, the whole thing. I mean, that is so different than Nancy Drew, which, whilst it became a product you know, is actually about solving the mystery. Like, the mystery matters, and it's important. It's not just, like, the hot one, the black one. That's so 90s. You know, the hot one, (laughs) the black one, the sarcastic one, the regular boy, and the fat one. I mean, come on. There's no nuance to that, and there's no insight into, like, what it's like to be a kid or what it's like to struggle. That's what really bothered me is that... I mean, it's the the cliches of it are so simple. Like, yeah. you know, Jake meets Tobias when he has his head in the toilet. When you know, older kids are flushing his head down the toilet. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, that's horrible. Just you you don't even need to be you don't need to write cliches. You can you can come up with something new. Um, yeah. Because it does so easily fit into right. oh, this is the slot we're going to use this for. But I mean, writing something for mass consumption to be turned into a TV show is you know. People do it every single day. People make TV shows <laughs> on this podcast. Um, so, you know, uh, that part of it, that sort of gross commercialism part of it, that doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is that you can have the gross commercialism, but you can also try to make it innovative and new and interesting and make sense and challenge 
whoever the sure, reader is. Sure, sure, that's, sure. That's the thing. Should we do a Animorphs challenge where we we each rewrite the first chapter? We no. Can't change the <laughs> no. plot yes. at all? No. We I... just write the way it's written. <laughs> rewrite. I think that would be a great thing. Like, if somebody took this plot, like, if, if, what if you took the plot and you couldn't change any the characters' names or what actually happens? But you could rewrite this slim 200-page book into a 400-page, like, well, YA masterpiece. The, I I, I'm sure there's there. like, a 500-page YA masterpiece already about shape-shifting teenagers with aliens yeah. showing up in a small town. You know, I mean, that's that's got to be out there. That's got to exist. I will uh, take your challenge. Well, but, I mean, this is a good question because, like, you know, what made Harry Potter so mm-hmm. great? You know, for I mean, not, I didn't read them, but for most people, like it, the 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 actual story of Harry Potter has yeah. probably been done a million times, right? Like, it's so derivative, like wizards and witches and a school where you go. And what made it great J.K. was J.K. Rowling's that a, a, it was yeah. just excellent well written, writer, right? Yeah. I mean, and that and she and she applied right. and so it was suddenly elevated from beyond this into like, the relationships with the characters. That, I mean, that's what she does really well is that bit, right? Right. So you could actually rewrite Animorphs, I think, to do that. Because, you know, the plotting itself is, like I said, like fun. Well, fun listeners, we've dictated our fate once. I don't, I don't want to be my dog. I just want to know my dog's emotions. Like, like I, I understand basically what it's like to be my dog. Like, oh, yeah, I need to shit. Will someone open the door? Like, that's, <laughs> that's my dog. I'm hungry. Someone please feed me. <laughs> wow. Wow, you just do not. Actually, I do. Your I dog do has way more. My dog wow. Scout has a lot. Can we? Actually, my dog Scout's had a tough week <laughs> because this whole ghost set of Watchmen thing. People have been down talking Scout, and she's been feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> Is Scout <laughs> actually named after Scout Finch? Yeah. Yeah. Oh I'm boy. Fe- I'm feeling pretty good. We didn't name her Atticus. That's for nice. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I think a lot of people did name their their sons Atticus relatively recently. It kind of became a popular name in the last five well, years. Well, so. we will hopefully talk Ooh. about that book eventually, so yeah. everyone can hold your horses and listen to the 20,000 other response pieces to it while you guys are <laughs> waiting for us to read it. i tell you what I want to read is a response piece to Ghost Set of Watchmen. That's been looking forward well, to that. <laughs> I was on the radio yesterday talking about it before I even read it, so oh. you can... You can uh, listen to a non-response from I would me. Like, I would like to hear that. She's here today to talk to us about the new Harper Lee novel or the new old prequel written before To Kill a Mockingbird. Prequel, sequel. Whatever, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a prequel and a sequel. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so you're here to talk about this. First of all, you're very passionate about books, but beyond that, you're very passionate, passionate about Harper Lee specifically and To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic, and this whole situation is... I mean, it's the equivalent of, like, your grandfather's on his deathbed and you, like, find Nazi memorabilia in his attic. I mean, this is what's happening with this book is Harper Lee has, uh, you know, agreed under some things suspicious circumstances to have this book published. And it turns out Atticus Finch, one of the most beloved, if not the most beloved character in American literature, has turned out to be a giant racist. And that'll do it for this episode of Literary Disco. Join us for our next episode when we judge a book by its cover. Literary Disco is produced, edited, interrupted, and saved every week by Tucker Ives. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and thanks for listening.